Somebody asked Winston Churchill, uh, what prepared you most, or what prepared you to lead Great Britain through World War II? For a period of time, Great Britain had uh, virtually stood alone against the Nazis as as they uh, dominated the Western world. And Winston Churchill responded saying, it was the time I repeated class in grade school. The the questioner said, "You, you mean you flunked a grade? And Churchill said, I never flunked in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. <laughs> yeah. You know, our, our God is a God of second chances. You know, thankfully, he's, he's a God of, of second opportunities. And, uh, you know, God's, God's word gives us a lot of examples of, of his people failing, uh, utterly failing, rebelling, uh, you know, turning away from him, setting their their hearts on other things other than other than him, you know. And when they do, they they we we bring destruction upon ourselves, you know. But we we see that in his love, he invites us to return. He he, he beckons us to to come and and be restored and and be renewed. Well, we're going to spend the next several weeks in the in the book of Ezra, and uh, you know, the Lord, I believe, has really put this on my heart to, to go through this book and uh, the the book that follows Nehemiah. There, I mentioned last week, these are both part of the same book in the Hebrew Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, is in both of these books. And this this idea keeps coming up again and again is is God's hand, God's hand on His people. You know, God is with them. He He's helping them. He He blesses them. He He ensures their their good. Yeah, but I'd like for us to see as we go through the book the the big idea, the the main theme. What is that? It's it's rebuilding. Rebuilding. The overriding theme is restoration, and you know, I believe we, as as a church, uh, need to hear this. We need to hear from God through through these books. Well, as the book begins, and uh, Phil Phil read from Jeremiah, you know, he kind of left off uh, on a, on a pretty negative note there, didn't he? <laughs> and that's where Ezra starts. As the book of Ezra begins, um, yeah, as, as a result of God's judgment on his people who forsook him and had gotten to the point to where they're in their rebellion against God, the, the, the scripture says there was no remedy. They would, they would not listen to him. They would not listen to his prophets that he sent. And uh, so here we are. Jerusalem is... is in ruins, the temple has been utterly demolished. Uh, the, the 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 people are scattered. They've been they've been either killed or taken away by the uh, the Babylonians. Most of them they've been taken from their homeland, and things are dire. It's a it's kind of a gloomy, dark uh, situation. But you know, God has a plan. God had a plan, and, and he made it known before any of this ever happened. He said he was going to bring restoration to his people. 
Now, the book of Ezra has, has two major parts. Uh, the first six chapters, we see the, the return of people from exile, the first wave, and, and the uh, rebuilding of the temple. We see the, the restoration of, of true worship and the, uh, the rebuilding and the restoration of, of God's people, the, the worshiping community. And the second part concerns the, the return of Ezra with, with the second wave of, of people and, and Ezra's ministry. That, that begins in uh, chapter 7. But today we're just going to cover the first chapter. And we're going to see that uh, restoration occurs according to God's purpose by his power and through his provision. So turn with me in your Bible to Ezra 1. And this picks up where Second uh, Chronicles ends. We read that last week. So Ezra 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says the king, Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may God, his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold and with goods and with beasts besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord that's in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. And Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his gods. Cyrus king of Persia brought these out in charge of Mithridath, the treasurer who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And this was the number of them, 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and 1,000 other vessels. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. All these things did Sheshbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to, to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we just acknowledge you as, as the, uh, the mighty sovereign God who, who has a plan. Lord, you, you love your people and it's your desire to, uh, to restore. And uh, just open our hearts, Lord. Open our, our eyes and our, our ears that, that we would hear wonderful things from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, restoration comes according to God's purpose. You know, we can see that from, from this narrative that, that God is definitely acting according to his purpose. He has, he has a plan. God's involved in, in our affairs, in human affairs. 
you know, these, these events did not take God by surprise. And, you know, I don't think it took these people by surprise either. You know, they had, and we have a, a, a large body of, of prophecy that, that covers what was going to happen to the people, how they were going to be taken away, how Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, how they were going to be gone. Phil read it earlier, 70 years, but also how God was going to bring them back. You know, even uh, even before the Israelites uh, came into the promised land, way back in in Exodus, you know, God spoke through Moses about the blessings he would give them if, if they were obedient. In uh, Deuteronomy 28, listen to this. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in. Blessed you will be when when you go out. You know, just uh, God, God wants to shower his people with, with abundant blessings. You know, the promise goes on, though, in, in Deuteronomy 28. You know, it was, it was God's will that, that his people thrive in, in the land that he was going to give them. But he also promised there would be consequences if they did not obey if they were disobedient. And in Deuteronomy 28, 64 through 66, Moses told the people, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God and be careful to do all his commandments and statutes that I command, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations, you, will, you shall find no respect respite and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot but the Lord will give you a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul your life shall hang in doubt before you night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of of your life this is way back this is the, the people hadn't even come into the promised land when when Moses is saying this God has given this prophecy about what's going to happen. And this is what did happen all these years later. You know, this is, the second part was, uh, well, the, the, you know, God's promise here was, was conditional. You know, you, you, you obey, you'll receive blessing. You don't, uh, you won't. God will uh, withdraw his, his hand of blessing well, what happened? The people were uh, chronically disobedient to God's commands. You know, we read through the Old Testament, we see that just over and over again. And God brought judgment upon his people because they, they repeatedly rebelled against him. Their, their leaders were corrupt. 
And these, these corrupt shepherds, these kings, they, they led people, they led God's people into evil. And the people disobeyed God's commandments. They, they gave themselves over to, uh, to false gods. And, uh, yeah, really they got to the point where, uh, God said there's no remedy. Drastic measures are needed. And so he brought judgment upon them through the uh, Babylonians, through uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. So the destruction of the temple, of Jerusalem, the exile, it was, it was all prophesied. Um, what was God's purpose in all this? It was, it was for chastening. It's for discipline. The writer of Hebrews quotes the Proverbs. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 says, have, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son who he receives. So it's, it's in God's fatherly love that we're disciplined, that we're chastised. Um, Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk uh, prophesied about, about this. Uh, God told the prophet Habakkuk, he says, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. For behold, I am raising up the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth. Uh, Jeremiah prophesied, Behold, I'm bringing a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. It is an enduring nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open grave, and all of them are mighty men. They will devour your harvest and your food. They will devour your sons and your daughters. They will devour your flocks and their herds. They, were, they will devour your vines and fig trees. They will demolish with the sword your fortified cities in which you trust. Yet, even in those days, declares, declares the Lord, I will not make you a complete destruction. This shall come about when they say, why has the Lord of our God done all these things to us? And then you shall say to them, as you have forsaken me and have served foreign gods in your land, so you will serve strangers in a land that is not yours. That's Jeremiah 5, uh, 15 through 19, by the way. So the purpose of all this is, is discipline. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews continues, by the way, in uh, verse 7 of chapter 12. It is, for it, is it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is testing you, treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. 
For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to all that have been trained by it. So God had a purpose here. He had a plan for his people. And restoration comes according to God's purpose. Secondly, it comes by his power. You know, just as God had, had promised through the, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, after the Babylonians did all this, God judged them for their sins. And the Babylonian Empire fell to the, uh, the Persian Empire in 539 B.C., you know, once again, promise or showing God's promises to be true. God said this would happen as well. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied about Cyrus, the, the Persian king. And this is like 100 years before, the, before these events. God, through Isaiah, told the people, there's a guy named Cyrus. Isaiah 44, 28. God says, I am the Lord who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built and of the temple, your, your foundation shall be laid. God is going to fulfill his, his purposes uh, in, his, in his own time, in his own way. He'll use whatever means he sees fit. You know, we, we see his sovereignty. We see his, his power and, and his involvement in, in the uh, affairs of humans. You know, Second Chronicles leaves off, Second Chronicles leaves off uh, right where Ezra picks up. God stirred Cyrus's heart to build him a house in Jerusalem and, and release the people to return to rebuild it. That's amazing. You know, God God stirred the heart of this this pagan king, the king of Persia, to rebuild the house of God in, in Jerusalem, the place of worship, the house of prayer. You know, just just as it says in um, Proverbs twenty one one that the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. You know, kings and presidents uh, may not acknowledge God, but uh, God's hand is is in it. And he stirs their hearts and he, he directs them, whether they realize it or not, whether they're good or not. So, you know, just as, just as God can exert his will in nature, he can change the course of human history through his power. So Ezra picks up with this, this same statement that Second uh, Chronicles left off with. I love this. God stirred his heart. Look at, look at verse 5 where, where God stirs the hearts of the people. And we, we, we see this language throughout Ezra and Nehemiah. God stirs the heart. And people respond. We see that over and over again. God stirs. We respond. So God stirs the hearts of his people to return to rebuild the temple. 
Yeah, then rose up the heads of the father's houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord that's in Jerusalem. Now what's, what's happening here? God's motivating these, these people. His, his purpose is going to be accomplished through these people. By the way, this, this word translated stirred up, in the Hebrew, it carries the meaning of, of awakening or, or stirring. It's, um, it's like taking a, a, a poker stick to your, uh, your fireplace and stirring up the embers when the, when the flame has gone out. You know how you can do that and the, the flame just whoo, goes right back up. That's what God is doing in the hearts of, of these people. He's, he's stirring the embers. He's, he's bringing back the fire. This, this same word, by the way, is, is used in uh, Hosea 7.4 where God's talking about how his people have grown cold and they've lost the flame. They are all adulterers. They, have, or they are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire. So why is it that God needs to, to stir the, the fire in our, our hearts? Why is it that he needed to do that with these people who are in Babylonian? You would... Wouldn't you think they'd be dying to come back? Well, you know, one of the surprising things is that uh, most of the exiles did not return. They did not want to return. Uh, maybe after 70 years in a new place, uh, you know, some were old and couldn't make the journey. Maybe some were uh, disabled. Uh, you know, the, the return would take a lot of work, wouldn't it? You know, they didn't have, a, they didn't have the uh, interstate system that, that we have. It'd be a lot of work. It would be difficult and, and dangerous. There, there are thieves and robbers along the way. Uh, it, would, it would take a lot of, a lot of sacrifice. You know, some were very comfortable in Babylon. You know, they, they'd become accustomed to living in a, in a new place uh, away from their homeland. Uh, according to Jeremiah 29, uh, they, they could build houses there, plant gardens, enjoy the produce. They could take wives. They could have children. They could prosper. Uh, some had acquired wealth and, and status and prestige in, in Babylon. Why would they want to come back and rebuild the temple of God? And, you know, that would that'd be hard. That, that would require starting over. But it says here there were there in this first wave there were fifty thousand people, about fifty thousand people whose hearts God stirred to come back to return to their, their land. So here here in Ezra, God is is stirring the embers. He's bringing back the flame, the fire. His purpose is to bring the people back and restore true worship. Uh, what a what a wonderful image! What a beautiful thing! You know God's hand we see here. Well, restoration then comes according to God's purpose. It comes by his power, and and finally it comes through his provision. God provided. He he provided this, this pagan king to conquer Babylon and send the people back to rebuild the temple, to 
in, in Jerusalem and Judah. He provided this king. He stirred his heart. We, we see how God provided from his people um, by, by orchestrating. Later on, we're going to see how this had, had been written down because there were, there were some problems later on. There were some people that said, oh, these, these people shouldn't be doing this. They're, they're rebellious. And, you know, the next king uh, was, was convinced to halt the, the progress. We'll get to that later. But he, by his provision, made sure that this, this stuff was written down so that uh, the king after that could, could look back and say, oh, yeah, Cyrus did uh, make this proclamation. Cyrus also said, here's all this stuff, this valuable stuff, gold and, and silver, these things that Nebuchadnezzar had, had taken from the temple and had put in his temples to the false gods. God provided that those didn't get melted down and, and made into jewelry or whatever. He provided through Cyrus saying, take all this stuff and send it back with these with these people for the you know to adorn the temple. Thirty basins of gold, one thousand basins of silver, twenty nine censers, thirty bowls of gold, four hundred and ten bowls of silver, and one thousand other vessels. All, all the vessels of gold and silver were five thousand four hundred. That seems pretty amazing to me. In seventy years they these these precious vessels were just waiting there to be taken back. You know, not not only did God provide the the vessels for the temple, but He provided the people by stirring their hearts. You know, not only to uh, go and do the rebuilding, but you know, it said these these people themselves gave. Of their of their riches and their their possessions, you know we don't know a lot about the uh, the the trip that they took. Uh, it, it's not reported really, but it was about nine hundred miles. It took about four months. There were there were perils from bandits bandits and and dangerous animals accidents. You know, but God got them there. He provided for this journey. He ensured their safety. He made sure that they had what was needed to, to make this trip. So the restoration comes according to God's purpose, his power, and his, his provision. Well, what does this mean to us? I believe that God has us in a, a rebuilding program here in this church. A program of restoration, and uh, these these same principles apply. God's going to do this according to His purpose, by His power, and through His provision. He has a purpose for us here. He, right here, this in this time, in this place, two thousand twenty-two in Chewila, Washington. He has His church here for a reason. And I believe that he has stirred the hearts of, of the people in this congregation just as he did in, in that day. And he certainly blessed us with, with his provision. Um, 
It's us. It's up to us, though, to to respond to this stirring, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we can come up with reasons not to. You know, it, it's going to require time. It's going to require effort. It's going to it's going to take resources. It might be hard. It's it's going to take work. But it's it's God's rebuilding rebuilding project. His his good hand is on this church. He'll provide. You know, Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus said about his church, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, it's it's his church. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate that so many people here have uh, allowed God to to stir your hearts and, and that you've responded. Um, you know, it might have been pretty easily, uh, might have easily happened that people just, just gave up over, over the last couple of years, but you didn't. I'm amazed at what God is already doing, how he's already working, and uh I'm I'm amazed at the the way we we have come together as a church and prayed. You know this this has become a house of prayer, just as God desires. Well, let's close with this: Is is God stirring your heart this morning? You know what what would He have you do? Um, let's. Let's take this to heart. This this is a story of rebuilding. It's it's a story of God restoring His temple, uh, this this place of worship. It's it's a story of God restoring and rebuilding His His people. And we we can see parallels between this story and and our own. We can we can draw some conclusions and we can uh, see some lessons that that we can learn from. You know, so let's. Let's truly seek the best that God has for us. Uh, you know, let's let's not be the, let's not be comfortable in Babylon. You know, let's let's go when he when he says to go. You know, we need to see that God has a purpose for what He does. He has a plan for us. You know, He might bring chastening at times. He might use adversity to. Bring us to the point to where we need to look to Him. You know, maybe maybe there are some in this room who are experiencing a, a spiritual dry spell. But God has the the power to to stir our hearts, to seek Him, and to uh, you know re- restore the the joy of His salvation. So. Yeah, as a church, I believe he's stirring our hearts to to seek this this rebuilding. I believe he's given us a great opportunity here, uh, a fresh start, uh, a new beginning, just like he did with these people in Ezra. And he's going to provide. He's he's the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. And so. As we go through this book, we're going to see God's faithfulness to his, to his people through through the ups and the downs and the adversity. Uh, there's going to be uh, good things and, and bad things occur along the way, but he's he's going to have his way. We're going to see his purpose fulfilled by his 
of his power and, and his great provision. Let's pray. Um, our Father, uh, our Lord, we we see your power, your your glory all around us in, in nature, and we, we see your your magnificent work in the history of, of humankind, history of the world. And uh, Jesus, as you've taught us to pray, uh, we, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. So, uh, Lord, stir our hearts in, uh, towards obedience to your commandments. Lord, turn our hearts to, uh, to your will. Incline our hearts to, towards you. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for giving us all the opportunity to, to be a part of your rebuilding program. Yeah. You said, I will, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you be glorified in us. Amen.